Welcome to the Grief Dreams Podcast, where we have conversations with guests about their life, loss, grief, and of course, grief dreams, which can be dreams of the deceased. If you want to know more about the topic and your hosts, please visit our website at griefdreams.ca. To support our podcast, please go ahead and rate it. For additional ways to support us, please refer to our show notes. Before we move on with the show, we'd like to give a territory acknowledgement. Long before Canada was formed, the Stalo people were the original land stewards, and they have lived here since time immemorial. They continue to live in the unceded Stalo territory, known to settlers as the Fraser Valley and Lower Fraser Canyon of British Columbia. We recognize and honor the contribution that Indigenous people have made and continue to make to our community and the topic of great dreams. Welcome to the Grief Dreams Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. On the show today, we have your hosts, Jade and myself, Joshua, and we have a guest. And this guest is actually pretty special because she came before. So this is a repeat guest, which I always love having on to see how their lives have changed since Mm -hmm. they've first been on. And so today we have Suzanne Falter, who is a writer, podcaster, and essayist, whose work has been featured in Self, Oh, More, Tiny Buddha, and the New York Times. She's the author of multiple self-help titles, including The Extremely Busy Woman's Guide to Self-Care. She is the host of her own podcast, The Self-Care for Extremely Busy Women, and has been heard widely on podcasts and radios shows, I said just like ours, on episode 141. So if you want to go back and listen to that, we'll hear a recap of her story. And so you can learn more about Suzanne at SuzanneFalter.com. So Suzanne, welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Joshua. Hi, Jade. Thank you for having me. There's a lot of things we can get into. I always love to like having people back on, especially it's been so long. It's been over three plus years since you mm-hmm. were mm-hmm. on the show. And then your friend Debbie was on the show and it's, you had such a powerful story together. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you could just recap for the listeners quickly a little bit about your loss and Teal is the big yes. thing. The amazing spirit of Teal. All right. So the way the story goes is that in 2012, my 22-year-old daughter Teal collapsed from a medically unexplainable cardiac arrest and died six days later. And the cause was unknown. And the day before she died, she was uh, actually, it was the day after she died, she was going to start taking classes in becoming a healer because she felt her purpose in life was to become a healer. And what's interesting is she immediately started appearing to people in dreams to spread her healing message. She had good friends. I'll I'll get into this in a bit. But the, the quick recap is at the time I was a driven workaholic, I was unable to sort of stop and smell the roses. And her death made me completely stop working for two years and slow down and focus on self care. And during that time, I started writing a book, And the book was very much about how Teal was healing me from the afterlife, which included not only dreams, but actual visions of her and experiencing her energy entering my body while I was, say, driving my car, et cetera, et cetera. Some of these visions and dreams I've shared on the show, but there've been a lot more. And what's really cool is I feel I was healed from the afterlife by Teal. But then strange things happened, like a Facebook group that really exploded out of nowhere, that really began to be this huge healing space. And as I have recovered from her death and indeed healed all of these things that I knew were not uh, healthy or whole within myself, 
I began to be able to help more and more people heal. And I'm actually just about to publish that book. It's a memoir called Free Spirited. And it really tells her story, but it tells this whole story of the energy transfer because it began with dreams and there have been a lot of them, as we've noted in the previous show. But there have also been profound moments of connection, really visceral connection, strange things appearing out of nowhere. I mean, (laughs) and then there's Debbie, whose daughter was healed uh, by receiving Teal's heart and kidney through organ donation after her death. And that's like a whole different story. And Debbie also did a wonderful show with you, I know. And, um, you know, she's she tells a great story about seeing Teal's glowing energy around her daughter's body while she was in the recovery room after her surgery, before she uh, regained consciousness. And that glowing energy lasted a long time. And Debbie was not the only person who saw it in the room. So this, this is how I have been changed. I have come from being driven workaholic to really being a guide, a healer. And really standing in the power of this healing work and really recognizing that that's what I was supposed to be doing is to give her healing gift to people. So she kind of works through me, basically. Wow. Incredible. I have so many questions, but like just starting with the self-care piece, I think that's an important kind of distinction of realizing that you're fully immersed in work and just how you used your daughter's death to slow you down and kind of recalibrate and, and all that. And so uh, you you mentioned that during that two years that you didn't work, that you wrote the book. And can you speak to some other facets that you know took place or realizations that happened during that two years that you took kind of a, a breath? Well, yeah. And actually, I wrote the book over the last nine years. It took a long time to write this book. And I kept thinking, great, I'm finished. Let me launch it. And then it's like, no, not yet. And I was the big experience of the first five years of grief was was surrendering to the unknown. I had no idea where this was taking me, but I had this crystal clear moment when she was in the in the um, ICU. She had just been brought in. She had flatlined twice. They had revived her heart, but she was unconscious and in a coma. And I stood there looking at her and I got a profound spiritual experience of needing to understand that I was going to carry on her healing work and that she would die. It was laid out for me. So I kept saying for the next five years, well, okay, is this a healing work? I'm ready to go. I'll be a healer. You know, I was not ready to go. I had to grow up. I had to slow down. And I really had to learn about fundamentals of self-care, which include things like being able to ask for help, being able to have some boundaries, not being impulsive and rash with my decision-making, which was something that was a real character defect for me. I had some financial issues that I really had to clean up and take responsibility for. I was somewhat compulsive about my relationships, and I had to stop that. And I really had to get a lot of help. You know, I needed to go to the hospice where there was free uh, mental health services, and I had to join a support group for grieving parents, and I joined some 12-step recovery groups to deal with my addictive behaviors. All of this was just a subsequent building out of self-awareness. The saying among people who've lost children, and maybe you've even heard it here on this show, is you either become better or you become bitter, and you have a choice. And I got that big message. So I was like, I'm on board for better. Show me what to do. And 
you know, I'm a self-help author to begin with and always have been. So it's like, you know, sign me up for personal growth. I happen to love it. So <laughs> it was it was an experience in letting go, though, for me, because I'm also kind of a control freak and I want to know what's going to happen next. And when I let go, the universe would rise up to support me. For instance, I really tried to restart my business. No go. It was it was impossible for me to keep working at the work I'd been doing, which was a very disconnected kind of work. I was I was being a marketing consultant and I didn't care about it. I didn't want to do it. Uh, I felt I was overcharging people. I, the whole thing was just wrong. And I also had no sense of my personal values. So a great deal of this reclaiming of myself was reclaiming my values and really rising up to be the better person that I wanted to be. Just wanted to elaborate on that self-care piece because it's come a lot up in our conversations around grief and then, and just in the culture in general lately. There's lots of talk around self-care and I think people have misconstrued ideas. And so when you're detailing the therapeutic support and getting to a place of financial health and, and you know, some of that is very deep work, you know, self-care isn't just having a bath or, you know, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Doing, so yeah, yeah. And so I like that you're kind of detailing that because yeah, it's not a buzzword. Like it's a full journey. And I think so many of us who are grieving through different points in our lives, there's that call to employ the self-care in a new way or in an innovative way. And, and that can be a huge part of navigating the grief. So, you know, really that's really true. And, and thank you for bringing that up because I actually wrote a post, I think it was for Tiny Buddha about emotional self-care a few years back. And it, it really went viral. Because people suddenly went, oh, there's such a thing as emotional self-care. And if you look at the you know 200 plus episodes I've done on my podcast, uh, Self-Care for Extremely Busy Women, on there, you will find almost no conversations about, I mean, there are a few about going to the gym, but it's mostly about dealing with narcissistic personalities, managing your anxiety, learning how to let go and live in the unknown, setting boundaries. You know, these are the hard things about being human over which we think we have no control. And yet the control is in the way we take responsibility for our responses and what we focus on. And that's really where I think the greater self-care has been for me is to shift my focus from, you know, I was all about making money prior to Teal's death. I just wanted to be wealthy and, and you know, powerful and be known in the business and blah, blah, blah. And now I just want to spread her message uh, wherever it's meant to go and to whoever needs to hear it and to do it with love and grace and, and um, you know, one day at a time, really. I remember you talking a lot about that on the to the previous show, and it, it is beautiful to see someone transform so much. And mm -hmm. as you sort of mentioned, you keep transforming. It's not like there's this end where you're like, I made it. Okay. You realize like, well, there's still some more work that is always occurring and you get to see things in a new perspective to be able to work on that in a little different sense. So I really love mm -hmm. that and love the honesty. And I want to sort of ask how the dreams, and we talked about dreams a little bit in the previous show, but within the last, let's say three or four years since you've been on the podcast, you know, has those dreams shifted to anything? And did they help you in any way in writing this new book? Yeah, really interesting story about that, actually. I have a friend who I sang with in a choir. I write about her in Free Spirited. I called her Wendy, a pseudonym. And Wendy 
came over one day to rehearse and she's like, there's a really intense spirit in this house, this young female spirit. And I said, oh, that's probably my daughter, Tia, who passed away in 2012. And she said, yeah, she's holding out a book and she's saying, and this book is glowing. Now, what's interesting is I had had a dream of Teal coming to me holding out a book and it was glowing. And in the dream, Teal said, this is a very important book. And I knew it was this book I'd been working on. And at the time, I had just connected with an agent who was interested in the book. So here's Wendy saying, Teal is holding out this book. And then another time, I was driving to a rehearsal with Wendy, and she looked out the window and said, oh, Teal's outside the window. She's holding the book again. And this time she said, and she says, be careful around green. Now, green is not the color. Green was a friend of mine who I also sang with in a band, and I had been unkind to green. I'd been a little snippy and rude to her. Behavior teal in her lifetime would have been like, Mom, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> I was a little take no prisoners before her death, right? So I was like, Smackdown, okay, no big deal. Poor green got the brunt of that because she was a little late one day, and it really was no big deal. So anyway... Here's Wendy saying, Teal says, be careful around green. Yeah, that's pretty specific. The other dream I had that was cool was that I had been kind of haunted for a good four or five years by a bad relationship I'd been in that ended just before Teal died. And the person I was involved with was a narcissist and an unkind person. And I had taken some abuse. And I was very angry at her. And the predominant feeling of my grief at the time was anger. And I wasn't angry at God. I was angry at this former partner for reasons that had nothing to do with Teal's death. But it was like I finally had permission to feel my anger and I was feeling it because I wasn't really expressing it in the relationship. And in the dream, I was in a cocktail party with Teal and she was in her 30s and she was wearing this very stylish dress and she, she really looked kind of like a pulled together adult, you know, because when she passed away, she was still a young woman who wore kind of jeans and sneakers and such. And here she was looking kind of stylish. And she looked at me and smiled. And then she nodded. And over in the corner, I saw my former partner. And I walked towards her understanding that Teal was telling me, go forgive her, just forgive her, just let go of this. And it was a healing dream. And I did let go of her. We looked at each other and she said, oh, I really like what you're wearing, which, which she totally would have said in a good mood. And um, Teal was kind of in the background, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. I mean, there were moments, there continued to be moments where she was really helping me get over myself, basically. And the interesting thing is I haven't dreamt about her much for the last few years. I, I think she's sort of passed by quickly. But I have dreamt about some other people who passed away, including my brother-in-law, who died a little over a year ago. And I dreamt that he came to me. I had had a lot of uh, really healing conversations with his widow, who was my half-sister. And in the dream, he came to me and, and was very gracious and lovely and um I felt his heart in a way I didn't usually feel. And, and he gave me a very positive message to pass on to her. And it was just, it was a real love dream, you know? And um, I, I don't experience myself now that I'm really kind of woken to woken up to this spiritual connection that I have. I don't really experience myself connecting with other people's people the way I do with Teal 
or perhaps my father. I have had quite a few dreams about my late father as well. But I'd, I'd say I'm dreaming more about managing the smaller issues in my life rather than these big life altering character defect healing, you know, this is your path. I don't think I shared the tunnel dream in my last episode. And in it, while I was having all these dreams, there were so many of them, there was probably a couple hundred. And one of them, I was being led down a dark hallway. And it was when I was really in the depths of my grief. And there were all these locked doors on either side of this hallway. And at the end, and my spirit guides were behind me, kind of pushing me forward into this last door at the end of the hallway. And I opened the door and it was all beautiful light. It was a lovely scene. And they were basically saying, this is where you're going, but you're not there yet. So you can just stand in the threshold and have a little hope. And it was a time when I had no hope. I was really feeling like, I don't know how I'm going to make a living. I, you know, I also don't think I've ever shared about a, one of the most important experiences I had with Teal, connecting to her in the afterlife, that I also wrote about in the book. And it's, it's this experience where I, two years, almost two years into maybe a year, year and seven months, something like that, I was sitting in this little office I'd rented. I was not making an income. I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. I knew I was supposed to be doing this healing thing, but I didn't know what it was. And I was despairing. And I was really saying, you know, help. (laughs) I don't know what to do. And I heard Teal. And she said, clean out your inbox. So I look over at my inbox. My inbox is a wire basket with five inches of neglected paperwork in it. And it had followed me through the various places I'd been living, because you don't work for two years, you got to live pretty simply. So I was staying with friends, basically. And here came my inbox that I had never cleaned out. So I spent the afternoon going through all the papers in my inbox, dutifully cleaning it out. I found nothing that I felt was relevant. There was literally one piece of paper left in the bottom of the inbox. And I turned it over. And it was a letter from Teal telling me. She'd given it to me the Christmas before she died. I'd totally forgotten about it. And she was telling me that in this lifetime, we were meant to be very um, aligned as partners, and we were meant to be leaders in light together. That's the actual phrase she used. And she said, and I support any light leadership you have to bring to this life. I mean, I framed it. It's right there on the wall next to me. (laughs) And it's sort of you know, that was what I needed to hear in that moment. I needed to know that I was on a path that was actually going to take me somewhere that had a purpose, that this wasn't just floundering in the dark, that I was moving towards the golden glowing doorway. And frankly, if the intention is there, the solution will present itself. I believe that. Beautiful. How amazing. And so I'm curious. So cool. I'm curious how that experience translated in a technical sense. Like how did you, from reading that letter and maybe you had like a private understanding of what leaders in light meant, but how did that (laughs) translate to something practical from you? Like obviously in that moment, it gave you reprieve and hope and, and the spark that you needed, but how did you get from that to like, okay, this is what we're doing? Well, you know, that's what's so interesting. I've done everything in my life, Jade, very fast, very organized, (laughs) under total control, highly motivated, meet my goals, right? This was not that. This is an amorphous, (laughs) 
meandering, (laughs) muddy path, and it's laced with the unknown. And it is through the embrace of the unknown that I got to it because I was no clear on what I should be doing. I just had hope. And what is really interesting is income showed up shortly after that in the form of a job that was offered to me writing fiction for a a wealthy uh, inventor who I knew since childhood, who really wanted to write fiction, but didn't have time. So we collaborated and he would have some ideas and I would take it and run with it. I wrote eight books for him over eight years. And as a result, I had steady income. I didn't have to worry about, you know, how I was going to pay my bills. I was able to build up my savings. And the crazy thing is that it wasn't until that ended uh, last spring when we finally got to the last book and we said, okay, we're done. and. I suddenly realized, okay, this is it. Now I really have to step into the healing work. And around that time, maybe a little earlier, a Facebook group that I had been, you know, nurturing along for several years, four years about self-care suddenly blew up. And in six weeks, I got a hundred thousand people who wanted to join this group. And there was no indication. I did nothing to make this happen. This came to me. This was, uh, I, I mean, <laughs> one morning I woke up and looked at my phone. I flip over to groups. It was, whoa, 2,700 people want to join. So I thought it was like 27 of the same, 100 of the same guy. It was some, you know, chatbot gone awry. No, it was 2,700 busy women who wanted self-care. And it, the next day it was 5,000. And it just went on and on. I suddenly had to hire a whole crew of people. I didn't even know really how to moderate a group on Facebook. I was barely paying attention to it. And what this became, we we had to vet everybody who came in because there were, we didn't want men in the group. We didn't want people you know, selling MLM or any of that stuff. So I got all these helpers from other parts of the world to kind of join me. And then eventually I got you know like the Facebook moderator volunteer team together. And overnight, it became this big thing. And that has lived a little life of its own, and it carries on. And there are women on there who are asking all the time about very personal things they can't ask about in their own life. You know, I think my husband's cheating on me. People are, you know, not doing their responsibilities around the house. I'm resentful of my son's girlfriend. You know, it's like really deep stuff. I don't know where this came from. I'm just going with it. So, Could I tell you how I made this happen? No. And now what's happening is people are coming to me for healings, actual healings, and I'm doing them and they seem to be working. So I'm, you know, my buzzword is go with the flow (laughs) because I have no choice. I just surrender and the, and the surrendering is my work. I have the, the power of the universe whispering in my ear as we all do but I'm choosing to listen to it this time instead of ignore it. Wow. There's just so much that uh, you're just talking about that. I'm just really taken back and just really listening and understanding that there's power in your words and your experience, especially from the trying to find out how to live a different life that you're not used to. And you may not have the role models around you to be able to teach you. And you're really just trying to see what comes your way. And for Teal and the dreams with the forgiveness piece, I think that's so important and something that we carry on for 
generations and years. And to be able to come to a place where you can forgive people that have wronged you is just a, a, such a meaningful thing for you to be able to step into that light because you're carrying a different energy with you to be able to sort of see with different eyes on people's journeys. And that's what people are coming to you with all these different types of journeys they've been a part of that have a lot of times many people have wronged them or they feel wronged or they feel stressed or anxious or uncertain about the future. And these are all the things that you're talking about. And grief is usually a part of that when it comes to a death is in one way or another from an animal to a human. And how do we get our support when those people who supported us have died? And I'm guessing you're getting a lot of people like that who are asking you questions about grief. Could you speak a little bit about just your experience of now talking about grief in that way? Yeah, because I think it's a beautiful process, and I've come to really appreciate it. In the beginning, I was so struck by how much joy there was interlaced with the heartbreak and the despair. It was right in there, you know, completely interwoven. And I was shocked by that because I, you know, not being an experienced griever, I had lost my father in my early 20s, but I didn't really know what I was doing with the grief. I just kind of cried a lot, and then I eventually stopped. But this was a much more profound experience of understanding how sacred life was. And in the six days that Teal was in a coma before we had to take her off of life support and, you know, she officially died, it did a couple of things. It made her an excellent candidate for organ donation, but it gave us a chance to sit with this event that was going to happen called Teal Will Die. And, you know, there's always a possibility they'll wake up and they'll regain consciousness and they'll be okay. But her de- her collapse left her alone without a heartbeat for more than 15 minutes. So basically extensive brain damage. And that's not something they can really determine for the better part of a week. So that's why you live in this lim- in limbo. But while I was sitting with her, I had this experience where she lifted out of her body. Now, this is not something visual. This was felt very much like my healing work is felt. It's intuitive. I just knew it was happening. I could feel it. And her spirit basically ascended in front of me three days into this coma. And immediately I felt that she was gone, but she was still alive. The heart was being kept mechanically alive. Her brain was still, you know, somewhat functional. She, her eyes were closed. You know, she looked like she was sleeping. I walked out of her room to take a break. And everyone I looked at had a beautiful, golden, glowing aura. Everybody. I saw a homeless guy. I walked up to him. Glowing aura. I had this incredible conversation about how my daughter was dying. And he said, I have a daughter. I have to go see her, don't I? And I said, yeah. I get in the elevator with some med students. They're glowing. I can feel people's anxiety. I can feel what they're worried about. And the only other time I've ever had an experience like this, interestingly, was when Teal was born. I mean, this brings tears to my eyes because it was so extraordinary. She was born in an emergency C-section. Actually, no, it was a scheduled C-section, but she was born and I had a bad reaction to the pain drugs they gave me. They gave me morphine and I was sort of a little out of it, right? But I could suddenly see the glowing auras around all the nurses. And I knew the nurse who was taking care of me had had a big fight with her husband that day. I could see it. (laughs) She certainly didn't say anything to me about it, but I was experiencing it. And she was a little grumpy, may I add. So Teal was coming in with this huge energy, which of course 
Debbie talked about in her show with you that when she walked into the emerge into uh, Amra's recovery room, this golden glowing aura was all around her body. Amra was glowing with Teal's energy. And Debbie's sister walked in the room and turned to Debbie and said, she's glowing. And Debbie said, I know, right? She's glowing. (laughs) I mean, that's pretty good. I just have to say that I am so blessed to have had a daughter with such an extraordinary energy. And it really makes me understand something she used to talk about called the unified field of love which is what connects us all. It's that glowing glow that I saw between every person in that hospital, from the unsheltered to the senior docs. They were all glowing. Nothing more to say, really. Wow. It's, you, see, <laughs> you have stories upon stories. And the transformation and allowing yourself to transform, I think, is so important is what I'm hearing is you having these experiences that you you can't really comprehend, like where do you go, but you're embracing them and trying to learn and, and value those as you move forward within your life. And it's amazing to see some of the patterns and be able to utilize that as you move forward. I think yeah. there's so much we just don't understand, but to like these moments and these conversations allow us to talk about the human experience in a way where some people have never heard it before or would never accept it if it happened in their life. And so, so it's nice how you're able to showcase some of this stuff. And I'm guessing in your book, you talk a lot about this. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, it's really about this energy transfer and how healing is something available to all of us. You know, I mean, I, I kind of bumbled along here. I'm not some, you know, healing savant. I, <laughs> I really, I had to like do it wrong before I could do it in a better, more effective way that would help me and help others. And so much of this has been about letting go. And I like to say as a healer, I'm really a letting go coach because my job is to help people just surrender to the path in front of them. I just did a healing on someone the other day and she wrote me the next day and said, my friend just picked me up and she said, you look so much more relaxed. Like you haven't looked like this. And that's what it's about. It's about accepting where you're at. And our ego does not want us to do this. Our ego is trying to keep that status quo going because that's what the ego knows. But the ego's wrong sometimes. Thank you, ego, but no. <laughs> that's what we're trying to do is, is rewrite the script. I love that. It's great, great advice, just learning to let go and how important that is on, on their journeys to yep. healing and growth. And so uh, I love that you had that dream of the books with, with Teal. And I'm glad you're able to finally write that book and get it out mm-hmm. there. It's got to feel so mm-hmm. great for you. And so I'm curious if you could have a dream tonight, maybe of Teal with that golden book, what would that dream look like to you? Well, she and I would be signing books for a whole lot of people. That's what I think. We'd be like up on our cloud signing books. And, um, you know, I just want Teal's story to touch people and to get out there and to reach people because I know my job in this life is to share it. That's beautiful. I hope you have a dream like that. So I'm really happy that you actually did finish it and it's out there in the world. So now people can actually read it, learn from it and embrace some of the knowledge and wisdom that you've gained throughout this very traumatic and horrifying journey of not only Teal's death, but really your entire life on the things you built upon to try to get ahead to then have to realize actually that wasn't the answer to health and happiness. It's, it was something else. And <laughs> yeah. that it's that relearning as it takes courage and you had it, you know? Oh, and so you. I really loved that to see you where you are and, you know, where you're going to continue to go and be able to help our world and our communities to just embrace a different 
type of perspective. As you said, letting go, how important that is. Who teaches yes. it? Um, so it's, <laughs> it's, it's nice how you're bringing that up and how important that yeah. is. Because we always important the achieving part. No, it's about letting go, like letting go and letting go. And, <clears throat> and, and ironically, Joshua, the letting go is the path to achievement. It's not pushing. It's, you know, can be helpful to get a few things done. But we also know that things seldom meet our expectations, and then we start to beat ourselves up, and then we're in the downward spiral, and then no matter how hard we try to get organized or get onto it, <laughs> it doesn't really work. Done that a lot in my life with not great results, you know? It's a privilege to be able to come onto your show and share the glowing book and share how things have shifted. I knew when I did the self-care book, uh, and I started, you know, I met you and I did your first show together. I knew that this was only the beginning. This book, Free Spirited, is the one that has the the deeper healing energy in it. And perhaps for those who follow my work, the self-care book is kind of the starter book in a sense, you know. Anyway, that's what I know. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing all that. That's a lot of just amazing reminders in there and heart moment. I can just feel your your heart and openness about sharing. And it's just cool. This is a different episode than we've had in a bit. So I think that people will be intrigued. And for those of them who didn't hear your initial episode, they'll be very much inclined to go back and take a peek. Mm -hmm. So appreciate your time. And yeah, do you want to just remind everyone where you can be found platform-wise and where they yeah. can purchase the book? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have a... Um... I have a website at Suzanne Falter, S-U-Z-A-N-N-E-F-A-L-T-E-R.com. If you go to Amazon and you type in Free Spirited Falter, my book pops right up. I'm on TikTok, Suzanne V. Falter, and um, I'm out there on my podcast, Self-Care for Extremely Busy Women, which is a joy to produce. So thank you for having me. 